Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading today is from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 53. You can locate this text in your pew Bible on page 965. First, let us prepare our hearts to hear God's word. Dear God, thank you so much for being with us. When we read your word, we remember that your Holy Spirit is in this room and in our hearts. Help us to understand your scripture and live it out in our lives. Thank you for the hope and encouragement your word brings to us. Amen. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised, to stay here in the city until you have been clothed from power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the work of our Lord shall stand forever. On holding on and letting go times when we're supposed to hold on tenaciously, times when we're supposed to let go. So the movie Up features a story of Carl and Ellie Fredrickson. They meet as young children, they grow up together, they fall in love and they get married and spend their lives together, Carl and Ellie. It's a love story about the two of them. And what we discover is that Ellie is loud and brash and emotional, and Carl is quiet and reserved. They're a perfect complement for one another. Their lifelong dream emerges to have a family. When they discover that that's not possible, they transfer that dream. They decide that they really want to visit a place called Paradise Falls, somewhere in South America. This is the story of Carl and Ellie. So after Ellie dies, Carl misses her so much, he can't let her go. So he transfers his love for Ellie 
to the house that they built together. That house becomes Ellie. In fact, he calls the house Ellie. His love for her is so great. Carl discovers that he cannot let her go. In today's Bible reading, this is the Gospel of Luke. Luke tells the last stories about Jesus Christ on the face of the earth. He's risen from the dead. At first, women go to an empty tomb, and they're told by two figures, two angels, that the Lord has risen. They go back and tell the guys, and they don't believe them. Peter goes, and he finds the tomb empty just as they said. That same day, two other disciples are on the road to a town called Emmaus, and they actually encounter the risen Christ. And they go back and tell the disciples, the women and men, that it's true, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And then Jesus appears to the disciples right there in person. He actually sits with them and asks for something to eat to prove that he is embodied the risen Christ. And then he unfolds the scriptures for them. He shows them how in the Hebrew scriptures, the prophets, how they talked about what the Messiah must do. And this is exactly what he has done to be faithful to God who has created him for this purpose. And then he leads the disciples out from Jerusalem as far as Bethany, about two and a half miles away from Jerusalem. And he prays for them and blesses them. And Luke says, in that blessing, he is withdrawn from them. We call it the ascension story of Jesus because apparently he ascends. He leaves them. Luke, actually, who's written the book of Acts, Luke in Acts 1 gives us more information In the first chapter of Acts, Luke says Jesus was lifted up on a cloud, and the cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus ascends and goes to heaven. Now, I I don't know. It's not in the scriptures. This is sort of more midrash, if you will. But but in my imagination, uh, I can think to myself, maybe Thomas, true to form, remember in the Gospel of John, Thomas misses Jesus' appearance, and he's the one that comes back, and they tell Thomas that we just saw the Lord, and he says, I don't believe you. I won't believe you until I myself can touch his hands, his side. I'm imagining maybe in this appearing Luke doesn't say this, but maybe Thomas was gone again, running an errand. Maybe it was his job to go shopping each day to get the food the disciples were going to eat together, the women and men. So he's gone. Then he hears that, oh, they're they're out by Bethany, and so he leaves everything behind and goes to Bethany, and there they all are, these followers of Jesus Christ, and they're all standing there, and they're just looking up into the air, and Thomas comes by and says, "What, what, what are you doing? And they're like, well, uh, you uh, you missed him. Um, He's gone. And Thomas is like, well, what what do you mean he's gone? Yeah, he he left. Well, where did he go? Well, uh, you're not going to believe this, or maybe you will, because you've walked with him the way we have. Yeah, he's up there. Up, up where? Well, you know, those clouds? Yeah, so one of them kind of came down, and he sort of got on it, and, then, and then, then he left. He's up there. 
He, on a cloud? I know, I know. Hard to imagine, but not really, because we've seen other odd things over these three and a half years. Yeah, he, he's gone. Well, shouldn't he have stayed? Well, that, that's what we thought. Our, our plan was that he now is risen from the dead, so he should stay because thousands of people will flock to him because they knew he was crucified. They saw it. And wouldn't that be easier? But apparently not. I guess that wasn't the plan. So yeah, he's, he's gone. Thomas is like, well, that doesn't make any sense. What on earth? Yeah, not, 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 not on earth. Nope, not anymore. He's up in the sky. Well, well what are we going to do now? Well, he said, just stay and wait. And he talked about a church being born. He talked about the message being spread throughout the earth. Thomas desperately and other disciples would want to do what I would want to do. They would want to hold on to Jesus, the risen Christ, desperately to hold on to him. But that's not the plan that God has for Jesus Christ and for the disciples and for the church. In order for the church to be born, in order for us to be a people actually of faith who have to believe without seeing, Jesus ascends. Jesus leaves and goes up into heaven. He goes up. So we learn from the story of Up that Carl has refused to sell the house because it's Ellie, of course. And around him now are all of these high-rises, condominiums, office buildings, and he is the one lone holdout under great pressure to sell the house and let them tear it down. So Mr. Fredrickson surprises everyone by attaching thousands upon thousands of helium balloons, which he knows well because he's been working as a balloon seller at the zoo for many, many years. He attaches thousands of balloons to the house, lets them go, and it lifts the house up into the air. And he and Ellie are going to Paradise Falls somehow they're going to make their way down to South America. Unbeknownst to Mr. Fredrickson, there is a little boy who is on the porch just as the house is taken up into the air. His name is Russell. He's a little Asian-American boy, which is why I love this movie so much. <laughs> I think I sort of looked like Russell when I was Russell's age. Russell is a wilderness explorer, and he is trying to earn his helping the elderly badge. That's why he's on Mr. Fredrickson's porch. Russell is surprised, too, as the house takes up into the air. He ends up knocking on the door to Mr. Fredrickson's surprise, and Mr. Fredrickson eventually lets Russell into the house, and they make their way down to South America. By a miracle of miracles, they end up at Paradise Falls, and they meet Charles Muntz, who is this explorer who's long since been disgraced, he made the claim that there's a 12-foot bird available in South America and was laughed out of the archaeological society. So he turns reclusive and he goes down there and his goal is to find that bird to prove that he's not crazy. In his isolation, he's become sort of paranoid. And when he meets Mr. Fredrickson, Carl, and Russell, he assumes they're here to steal his project of finding this bird. This Charles Muntz has developed this technique where through collars, all of these dogs who are hunting this bird can actually speak. And so Mr. Fredrickson and Russell meet 
the bird, they find the bird, an actual live example of the bird. They call it Kevin, that's his name. And they meet one of the dogs who is kind and really doesn't want to kill anything, and they call him Doug. Eventually, this scene unfolds where a paranoid Charles Muntz is actually shooting, trying to kill the bird, endangers Russell and the dog, Doug, and they end up on his dirigible, and Carl is faced with a choice to hold on or to let go, to hold on to Ellie or to let her go. This is the scene. On holding on and letting go. So several years ago, I was privileged to be the keynote speaker for a middle school conference in Mo Ranch Conference Center in Hunt, Texas. This is the hill country of Texas outside of San Antonio. It's a Presbyterian conference center. It's a marvelous place. One of the things that Mo Ranch is famous for is they have a high ropes course. They've put into the ground these huge, huge, like telephone poles, and between each of the poles, they've strung these different ropes challenges. And if you want to go up on the high ropes course, you harness yourself and you attach yourself to the safety cable. They lift you up. You are 50 feet up in the air, and you move between these platforms attached to each of these poles, and you have eight challenges. At the very, very end, you're on the last platform. There is a trapeze in front of you. Your job is to jump off of the platform, grab the trapeze, and you zip line back down to the ground if you can make it. If you don't, they just gently lower you down. I went up as the afternoon, free time, supposed to sign up for the high ropes course. It is very popular. There were no more sign-ups, no more space available. Thank you, Jesus. So I couldn't go. But I'm the keynote speaker, and so I wanted to say hi to people up there and greet them from the ground and wave and say, you are so stupid for being up there in the sky. And so I get there, and one of the eighth graders sees me. He's up there, and he goes, hey, look, it's Roger. It's our speaker. He wants to come up here, too. And I said, no, I really don't. I, it's full. I'm so sorry. I can't. And one of the staff people who's trying to be helpful, but he wasn't, he said, we can fit you in. And I said, no, it's okay, really. No, we can fit you in. And then they started the Roger, Roger, Roger. And I know I am an adult. My salvation is intact. I do not have to succumb to peer pressure. But then I found myself 50 feet up in the air in a harness thinking, Nishioka, this is possibly the dumbest thing you've ever done in your whole life. And this is just for Jesus, so thank you very much. So I make my way across, and in front of me is a seventh grader named Janelle, who is far more brave than I am. She's half of my height, this adorable young little Latina, and she's making her way across. The last challenge in front of us, before you get to the pole to jump off, right, into midair, the last challenge are these swinging blocks. So you have these two cables that you can hold onto, and you step out, and these blocks hold your foot. That moves, and you find to the next block, it's moving too, and you make your way across. This is about 14 feet of these blocks hanging in the air. Janelle does great until she gets to that one, right, to that obstacle, that challenge. She makes her way a third of the cross. She is moving because the blocks are moving, the cable's moving, and so she freezes. 
and she stops and she starts crying, which any sane person should be doing already, right? So I'm on the platform and I'm speaking to her and I'm saying, Janelle, you're doing so great, which she is. You are so brave, which she is. Just keep on going. Take the next step, look down, just keep on going. And she's holding on for dear life and she's sobbing and she's saying, no, I can't, I can't, I want to get down. I said, I know, sweetheart, I do too. So you just keep on going and I can follow you and we'll both get down. No, I can't, I can't. And one of the staff people down on the ground looks up at me and says, Roger, you have to go get her. And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't. <laughs> He's like, no, you have to go get her. Just come up behind her and tell her and walk with her step by step. Give her instructions. She won't make it across otherwise. And we can't go up on going because everyone's backing up behind you. I'm like, oh, come on. And so I get onto the first, and I can see what the problem is, right? You step onto that first block, it's independent and it's swinging. Then you go for the second block, it's independent and it's swinging, and you're trying to hold on to two cables. I go step by step, I make my way there. What I realize is they're all attached, right? So my weight is pushing up on her blocks and that's making her even more scared. She's crying even harder now. I get right behind her and I'm like, Janelle, I'm here, it's okay. Now let's go with one more step. Just look down, do one more step, find that block. I can't, I can't. And so the guy down below says, Roger, step around her and then lead her. And I'm like, step around her? Yes, yeah, step around her and lead her. And so I try to move my body and I get to the block in front of her. I hit that one and I swing my foot around and I make it to the next block and I'm impressed. Like, whoa, that's better than I thought I could do, right? Well, she sees me and the guy on the ground who is not helping says, Janelle, Roger's in front of you. Climb onto him and he'll take you to the next pole. <laughs> So this little seventh grade, Latina, half my height, a, a fraction of my weight, right? She gets onto my back and she puts her forearms across my neck, right? And so I'm on two cables and I'm on the next block and I realize in that moment I can't breathe because she is holding on and she's pressing against my throat. I can't breathe. And so I'm trying to say to her, Janelle, stop choking me, right? <laughs> So I lift one hand off the cable, keep one on the other cable, and I'm trying to pry her forearms away from my throat so I can breathe. And this is the odd thing. I recognize this is odd, and you know I'm odd already because you know me. But the last thought that goes through my head before I pass out is, wow, she is so strong. Like, just amazed that she's so strong as I'm trying to pry her forearms away from my throat, keep hold of this cable. And so I think, okay, I'm just going to pass out. That's the way it's going to go. That'll be impressive for all these kids, all these adults to see, right? That's fine. And then zing through my soul, Holy Spirit says, Roger, just let go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm 50 feet up in the air. That's ridiculous. Spirit says, sing, just let go. And then I realize, oh, of course, because I'm in a harness attached to the safety cable 10 feet above me. Janelle's in a harness attached to the safety cable 10 feet above her. And so I just let go. I drop the cable, I step off the blocks, and I fall about a foot and a half, and I jerk, right? But I'm in the harness. Well, Janelle falls with me because she's on me, right? And then as she jerks, she lets go of my throat. 
and I can suddenly breathe. And we're both hanging there, now about 46 feet up in the air. I'm looking at her, she's looking at me, and I'm like, are you okay? And she goes, yeah. And I said, good. Then she says, are you okay? And I said, yeah, thank you. And they lower us down to the ground, and we hold on to each other, hug each other, and I'm so proud of her, and she goes, I'm proud of you too. Thank you, Janelle. There are times when we're called to hold on. There are times when we're called to let go. Carl had to let go of Ellie so he could hold on to Russell. The disciples had to let go of Jesus Christ so the church, you, me, this, could be born and spread the gospel into the whole world. At the end of the movie, we see Russell at his ceremony getting his assisting the elderly badge. This is how it ends. Holding on and letting go. The gospel according to Pixar, the gospel according to Luke. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.